podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Do you like beer? Do you like free? How about, you guessed it, free beer. As a valued listener, we'd like to bestow upon you just that. Thanks to our good pals at beer52.com, you have the opportunity to sip eight delicious and painstakingly sourced craft beers from around the world. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com slash whistle and cover just the postage of £4.95. And if that wasn't enough, as a listener of the Whistleblowers, you'll get two extra free beers. So that's 10 free beers. Beer 52 are pioneers. They traverse the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from the greatest small batch breweries planet Earth has to offer. No surprise then that they're the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Each month, Beer 52 delivers a case with a different theme. Themes have included Germany, Korea, Belgium, South Africa, California, New Zealand, and many more, but they haven't forgotten their roots. As an independent UK company, Beer 52 are also passionate about the UK craft beer scene. The beauty of Beer 52 is that you can leave any time. The power is in your hands. As well as the best, most interesting beer money can buy, your case will include the award-winning craft beer magazine, Ferment, which explains the theme and individual beers you receive and a beery snack thrown in just to top it all off. Don't like dark beers? Choose the light plan. Easy. Just go to www.beer52.com slash whistle to get your case free. And don't forget right now, whistleblower listeners get extra free beers. Just the two of them. That's 10 for you. Enjoy. Well, it's a, a solo hosting effort uh, from myself at the minute for the whistleblowers. Um, but thanks for, for listening in because we have a um, very informative one, uh, very formal, it feels like, but also quite bizarre because obviously the production is based on us all dialing in remotely. So um, I can say that I'm delighted that we were joined by two uh, esteemed journalists, um, Miguel Delaney, who's written some really important pieces on uh, the obviously the quarantine coronavirus and the implications for the leagues and uh, John Bruin who is currently um, working as a staff writer at The Guardian uh, and and always up to speed on things and uh, always has great input so uh, without further ado uh, enjoy the show Miguel your piece today was quite uh, well, it, it was covering ground that hasn't been covered, and and just quite alarming how unprecedented some of this, some of these things are. I know that kind of the but the one of the key words is obviously avoiding the season. Can you just talk to us a, a little bit more about that? I know that there's a lot of multifaceted, but um, the overarching idea is quite alarming, anyway, isn't it? Yeah. So that's obviously been not a potential solution to the problem of when we get back football back, but uh, an alternative. Uh, and it was, I suppose, initially something that was thrown out there. It's amazing to think now it was thrown out there in jest by rival fans as recently as a month and a half ago. And now I wouldn't say it's a, a real possibility yet, but it has been put on the table by figures at some Premier League clubs. Uh, I know for certain it's four. Uh, and I mean, what would happen is exactly as the word indicates, the 2019-20 season would essentially be struck from the records. No champions. The next season would essentially be... 2019-20 rebooted. And it was interesting, actually, Carry. I mean, and one of the reasons it has gathered momentum is because of players like Harry Kane talking about it and backing it. It'd be interesting to see if Harry, Harry Kane had the same view if he found out all his goals from the season were struck off, uh, which is what would happen as well. Um, but uh, I still don't think it will happen. Well, I mean, everything we say is essentially dependent on development of the virus. But 
there is such massive interest in the game to to finish this season for um, all manner of reasons. Primary, of course, is the broadcasting contracts because if this season isn't done, the Premier League alone is going to have to pay back 760 million and probably have losses of about 1.2 billion, which could actually put, at, from what I've heard, at least four Premier League clubs into administration. Um, so that, then beyond that, and and this this is the real kicker, I suppose, because it, it does whatever about the greed and people the people immediately assume when they hear stuff like TV contracts and that to about over no it would be to more than half the, the English football league it would put them in basically be an existential threat. Uh, some of them mightn't survive out of this if the season is voided. That's how dependent they are on that money coming in and that broadcast money, and that is why for the EFL at the moment it's non-negotiable. They are insistent that this season is finished, whenever that may be. And the reason that's important to the Premier League is because even if there was a massive shift in the Premier League, and it, and it should be remembered that basically all the top clubs, all the top half, current top half, want to continue the season. But even if there was a shift and 14 Premier League clubs voted to void the season, which is the majority that would be required for any change like that, they still couldn't unilaterally decide it because any Premier League de- decision like that is still dependent on the agreement of the FA and the EFL. And it's for the, for the same reason, the Premier League can't suddenly decide, well, we're only going to relegate one club this year. So they have, they have to get the agreement of the EFL and FA. And for the EFL right now, it's just the idea of avoiding the season is an absolute non-starter. Like I was talking to someone centrally involved in discussions in this on Monday, and they were absolutely unequivocal that it's just, like one of the lines put to me was basically, Option one is keep playing. Option two is keep playing. Option three is keep playing. Option four is maybe agree to, to some sort of um, system to kind of shorten the season. But avoiding the season is just off the agenda because it will mean clubs go out of business. That's This is the rub. I mean, uh, John, coming from a, a, a man, I suppose your first team would be technically a, a football league club. Um, yeah. uh, they flirted in and out of it and, uh, and I know them well myself. But just... Is this unprecedented because it almost feels like the AFL have some power and some skin in the game this time and normally that's not always the case with the Premier League? Yeah, I mean, I suppose, I mean, you refer to Macclesfield Town who uh, whose, whose existence was in doubt even before uh, the coronavirus started in China. So, um, yeah, it, it's... Uh, I, I don't predict great things for, for Mac. I see today that they've deferred their publishing their accounts, which again is not a great sign. Um, yeah, it's. I suppose Miguel Miguel maybe is is that a solidarity thing or is it just the fact that the EFL have said, listen, we've got to play, and so the Premier League are following on from that, or is it's just about the, it's just the agreements that the Premier League has signed up to, and and actually this comes yeah. back to I suppose teams as big as. When, when the initial split was in 1992, but the, uh, it didn't fully break away in the sense that at the time it was still the FA Premier League. So really, yeah. stressing even from that, there's still that link between the Premier League, the FA and the EFL. Yeah, and I, I suppose you, if, if you cancel, the, if you void the Premier League, you can't, you, you can't have the Football League playing on because there'll be teams that wanted to get promoted, say Leeds and West Brom. I mean, the, uh, unravelling this, I mean, as Miguel said earlier, it is like almost a day-by-day situation. We rely upon what happens with the virus itself. I mean, the spread of it. Um, the, the the idea that Miguel mooted the uh, and his story on it was Sunday, wasn't it, Miguel? 
Yes, uh, right, yeah. About yeah, it reminded the, the the Dream League played in camps. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, listen, uh, I I think at this point, um, uh, Miguel received a lot of criticism for that story uh, when Miguel was only telling the story that he had got through his excellent sources, which is always a problem for for for, for the reporters like Miguel. Um, and but. You know, uh, as a bit more of a, of a layman these days, you look at that proposal and you think, what has that got to do with the Premier League? You, you, it, it, essentially, to finish the Premier League playing in completely different uh, circumstances, you know, in, in, in on training grounds and so on, what's that got to do with the integrity of the Premier League? I know it's a contingency. Uh, it, it just looks completely unrealistic. Now, it, it may well happen. We may well have to get used to it. And it may well be a way for Sky and BT and all the other broadcasters to get their mo- to get money back on the deal. Uh, though presumably they're not going to pay full whack for this, which is essentially uh, a bit of a sort of rump parliament type of thing. I mean, you're just in this situation of of complete chaos. Um, I, I think uh, football has been criticised for this, and I'd be one of those that would would criticise from that. But I, I think you think you will have to add the, give them a bit of leeway in the fact that no one knows what to do anywhere in the world with this. So why should football be any different? Well, just on that as well, that was even talking about the last few days. It was put to me basically, you know, our, our people at clubs they're not the calmest at the best of times, and now they all basically want some sort of clarity in decisions when it's impossible to make any decisions or, or offer yeah. clarity. And yeah, to be well, fair. Uh, on that, actually, just from, just from talking to you people today as well, because we're, we're doing something on uh, the European situation tomorrow, UEFA actually do seem a bit more progressive in that regard. Now they, like, I mean, they've taken a more mature view to when they can play and when they can. They're essentially they're making plans with the implicit knowledge that we have to update these every two weeks. We can only go on the on the knowledge we have. Yeah, yeah, and and and, and the panic that you mentioned, Miguel. Um, it, 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 I suppose it just shows you the, the white knuckle ride that often the finances of these clubs are. I mean, and, and further down the league, they're even worse. But um, you know, there's, there's, what's that Warren Buffet uh, quote? You know, you can always, when the tide goes out, you can always see who's naked, and that was what goes with financial markets. I mean, there are so many clubs, apart from the real super rich, that are going to be in big trouble about this, and um, yeah. Newcastle, obviously, with the first to furlough some of the staff. Tottenham have done it now. Now, Daniel Levy's statement um, betrayed uh, a bit of panic about their financial situation, was my reading of it. I don't know about mm. you. Yeah. And also potentially maybe leveraging the situation a bit. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, what, Daniel yeah. Levy, Daniel Levy <laughs> leveraging a, a financial situation to his benefit. I mean, I can't possibly believe that. I mean, I mean, to, to be fair, I, I'm not sure he was leveraging it to his benefit at, at this point. OK, it, it might suit him. Uh, but I, I do think that he probably there comes a point where the players um, and their agents and so on do have to turn around and do some kind of deal. Um, I know Gordon Taylor's uh, dragged his heels on that a little bit, the PFA chairman, I should say. Um, he's dragged his heels a little bit on that. But um, you can also see the sense of them doing that as well in the fact that 
if if play play they are in a union and they should all act together. Um, but examples are being set across the continent with yeah. Barcelona. Uh, I, 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 our friend Ken Early was pointing out the other day that Real Madrid turned around and said, "We'll just pay our players the, the same way we always did," which is a bit of a uh, well, basically a jibe at the fact that Barcelona's finances are not as rich as Real Madrid's. Um, so there's, there's power games there, but um, you do wonder if a club like Manchester City, like Manchester United even, might take the lead and get their players to do, to do something like that. Um, the, the thing is, though, with, with, with footballers, um, I mean, this example was pointed out to me today, Um now, David De Gea, who's already given a significant amount of money to people in uh, Spain, to hospitals in Spain for, for their fight. Um, and, and then there's uh, there's also Juan Mata, who has that... Uh, what's the name of his... Uh, common goal. Common goal, yeah. Now, yeah. only four players signed up to that common goal. Um, now, footballers have charities. They, 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 they deal with it. Uh, one of the suspicions is that some of it is good for tax and so on. Um, but um, it is a point where footballers perhaps need to be shown to be doing a little more than they have been so far. Um, you don't really want Jack Grealish to be the poster boy. <laughs> footballers, footballers response to coronavirus, do you? You don't. You don't. Well, listen, uh, listen, gents, we'll, we'll end the first uh, half there. There's certainly more to come on to. I, I don't... I, I like the idea that the, the finishing it for contractual obligation reasons, kind of like Van Morrison getting out of his contracts, uh, just banging <laughs> out a few albums to kind of pay the bills. But uh, we'll come back to that in the second half because uh, I think there's more to be more to be said. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct. Something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen. Check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. All right, welcome back, guys. Uh, I'd like to pick straight up on that then. Meg, you know you were talking about... Um, and t- people just doing it in terms of a box ticking exercise to see this through, it kind of takes the romance out of it. And you talked about Harry Kane there, uh, maybe we feeling slightly different if his goals were stricken off. I mean, we've kind of avoided the white, you know, the big elephant in the room of Liverpool and uh, and the obvious implications for them and the fact that you know a lot of people might look at this as a kind of you know it was quite funny to start with saying well they're so runaway champions but but you've written in your piece you know that's not really a consideration people wouldn't really begrudge them the title yeah what I suppose that is the problem though if the season was void it means there is no title now there might be some sort of acknowledgements for them or something or some sort of vote to award but that would just feel hollow and actually on that this is a bit of a tangent but we were discussing this in the independent office last week Liverpool's what has been 
their best ever domestic season, one of the best seasons in their history, could end up being the worst nightmare they've ever faced. (laughs) Especially in relation to the whole, like the long wait for the title. They they get that, and they're not just winning the title, they're so obviously the best team, so obviously running away with it. And yet, just when they're on the brink of about to, to clinch it, two wins to go, their form drops off, so in the space of a few weeks, they drop out of all competitions. And their, and their last memory is basically all these records going just before finally having already weathered the storm. I mean, do you remember in January it was, it was flouted, oh, World War III might begin because tr- Trump had that, uh, that flare-up with Iran. Yeah. Then we, we, they survived that. Well, not so. I mean, that's sort of the wrong terminology to use. But <laughs> that, that doesn't happen. And, and now we have this, this a global health crisis, which could, could... I mean, there is at least some possibility that the season is voided. Uh, it, well, and even if people don't want it, it's just that circumstances may dictate that, depending how this virus develops. And it, it's just, it's incredible. Not just that, you know, that it could be snatched away from them in that way, but, and again, we should always contextualize things as a, as a you know, pretty much thing to do in terms of, uh, it's obviously not as important as the, the virus in the grand scheme of things. Uh, and also, their, their final memory this season is a series of defeats. Yeah. Well, this is uh, this is the point as well, though, Miguel. You're absolutely right, and you make that point in your your piece about um, the context of this and people saying, "Well, there's great bigger things to worry about." But we're talking about it within the sport. We're not talking about it yeah. in a wider context. We have to think of it specifically to football because that is what we talk about, and that's what our industries has you know been involved in for years. So yeah. I think we're, we're well within our rights to do so. John, <laughs> Sorry, go on. There's, there's a bit of that going around where, I need to, and I got I, this. I got this as well over the last few days. Oh, the responses are not. No one wants to think about football right now. It's just not important. And yeah, it's true. It's not important. We we implicitly know that. Yeah. Uh, like that goes without saying. But at the same time, as well, we can't just sit around thinking about the, the coronavirus twenty four seven. We go mad. Um, yeah. We have to talk about it in the same way that people talk about pubs and clubs and restaurants and the implications for those, because this could bankrupt people, you know, this could bankrupt more than just the players or the the fans or, you know, we're not bankrupt them, but this is is taking something off the table from them, but it's has has far reaching implications, you know, beyond that. and I, and I was going to bring you in there, John, on that one. I mean, not just as a greater Mancunian uh, in Liverpool's plight in some kind of uh, sick and twisted fantasy, but um, how do you how do you feel about that for the top teams? Well, I, I, I have a, a great deal of sympathy for Liverpool's. Um, I mean, you know, uh, let's well, they have actually suffered worse in their history, uh, and that go, goes back thirty-one years. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, they they are as everybody is actually an, an unwitting victim of something not quite unprecedented because pandemics have happened, you know, centuries ago and stuff like that. But they are. There's nothing. Hello I mean, there, there, there is going to have to be. I think you know, what's that cycle we're in the sort of? We've been past the denial stage. There is going to have to be almost the acceptance stage. My instinct is that the season probably will end up getting gutted, 
um, but for me, for I, I am not as well sourced as Miguel, that's pretty okay. well established. Um, but I, I just don't see how down, uh, uh, in really. it, you can performance. reset stuff and uh, start with Liverpool uh, 92 matches to left to play. It and just doesn't really work. And okay, the, the, the football league is, is currently pleading for its life but it might have to come another consistency arrangement um, and he had me crying and everyone's just going to have to accept that this happened it wasn't anybody's fault and just carry on and I think everybody okay you'll get that the pub ball types that were so all-important didn't win the league we can all accept that Liverpool won the title this season I think that's fair to say it's the most hollow of victories despite the fact that they have been uh, the most dominant team of the Premier League era in a season. But for me, it's all over for it. This season is over. Um, and, and, you know, it, I accept that football has to consider its future, but I'm a bit less of the mind that it's important at this point. I think it's fair to say that you get your, your ducks in a row and you try and get your house in order. But I do think at a certain point there is going to have to be an acceptance that football is not going to continue in the way that it, it, it would like to. Um, look at it, for example, Wimbledon is going to get pulled this week. Uh, the Davis Cup, too, in tennis. Um, you're already in, in America, the NFL and stuff like that. That's already looking like there's going to be a knock-on effect there. Sport is important. It's certainly important to us three that we're speaking here. But uh, it's going to have to take a back seat. Um, and, you know, pushing on further, um, one way perhaps to uh, to, to maybe uh, lessen the calendar would be, um, and this is a big thing, that maybe UEFA, and Miguel said, has been actually fairly mature uh, with maturity, is maybe Euro 2021, as it's going to be, maybe we just bin that and play through the summer and then kick on towards the 2022 World Cup and rearrange the calendar that way. But these are all hypotheticals. That, that's what we're dealing with at this yep. point. Well, you make some excellent points there. Uh, Miguel, uh, I, I just bringing you onto that as maybe a final point. What the knock-on effect for the perhaps the bigger events in world football, so the Euros, and then potentially knock-on effects for the World Cup. I mean, um, have, have you heard anything, uh, any rumblings behind the scenes of, of kind of decisions that are going on for that? I'm sure there's more pressing things to worry about, but the knock-on effects for such major planning of tournaments is, is certainly, you know, on the horizon. Well, there's still a bit of misplaced optimism that this might only be about three months and that once we get through this stage, things can get back to a relative normality. That's possible. I'd be somewhat pessimistic about it. But I think even beyond what you're saying, even in a bigger picture than that, and maybe this re- this reflects some of the discussions, obviously, in, in society as well now, that there is optimism that the crisis this has caused could cause some sort of uh, re- realignment in football. That You know, we, we see, because you know, obviously it's exposed huge tensions and stresses in football, Massive economic disparities, and as John pointed to earlier, the fact that most clubs—they're—they're they're almost for all the money in the game—they're they're almost living on a month-to-month basis. Given that you know only a few weeks out of football has already caused this level of strife. Um, but I actually th- so I mean yeah, there's the optimistic view that this suddenly causes some sort of ma- mass socialisation of football. But I actually be a bit more pessimistic in that way as well because even from talking to someone who, who's been working with UEFA today. 
they were saying that, I mean, you know, as is the case in in life as well, it's basically, it's those that are already worse off that will suffer most in these situations, whereas the wealthiest will find a way to survive it. And we, this, could, this could actually push us further down to some sort of Euro, European Super League situation, especially if it gets to the real crisis point where clubs are going out of business. And even if it doesn't go that far, if you say, if you look at something as basic as the transfer window, and I know that's a bit obscene to be talking about at the moment, but talking in wider terms, that basically, I mean, for about a year or two now, it's, you know, people can forget the normality of transfers as they were or born with signing £30 million players. And yeah. the, wealthy, well, the wealthiest clubs will, the ones, will be the ones that are able to invest and start cherry-picking the smaller clubs again because they'll have that, they, they're insulated enough to survive. So there is that danger again, not that it causes the economic realignment that's needed, but it actually furthers the problem when, when, this, when this all settles down. Well, you make some excellent points there. I, I, was, I was going to suggest that but perhaps we look, we'll look at American sports at how the, the league is what funds them in, in a more kind of socialist way where all the clubs get a bite of the cherry and they're, all, they're, they're funded by a, a bigger pot, which might actually help, you know, keep some of them afloat. But that, I think we're kind of, you know, very much in the unknown. But um, listen, I really appreciate you both uh, joining us. Uh, just a final thought: uh, what, what you guys, um, what are you working on at the minute, Miguel? Have you got anything in the in the offing that we can look forward to reading? Uh, more, more of this, more of this. The uh, a lot of the fallout from the sea, uh, fallout from ISIS, and what's going to happen. And uh, actually, just this evening, working on a piece on uh, this whole issue of players having to defer, potentially having to defer payments. Because as John said, there, I think a real pressure, both the public relations pressure and political pressure uh, and social pressure is going to rise That I mean, because ultimately this is a money with, or this is an industry with huge money swirling around it, no actual football being played, which means the massive wages, which are unjustifiable almost in most circumstances, can't be justified now and I think we will see deferrals over the next few days or some sort of pay cut, uh, but that, that's what I'm doing at the moment. Brilliant Alright, well listen, we'll look forward to reading that uh, What are you up to yourself, John? Uh, well, work slowed up a little bit for, for Rory's reasons. Uh, uh, mostly, well, it's a, I've been listening to the music of Vaughan Williams, a bit of classical, and uh, watching heavy metal documentaries. So that's been uh, therapeutic. That sounds brilliant. That sounds absolutely brilliant. And, and a, a wonderful note to end this on. Listen, gents, thanks very much for, for joining us tonight. And uh, hopefully we'll speak to you in, in better times. And maybe we can have that pint down the pub before too long. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Let's hope so. Thank you. That was a whistleblower. Cheers. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.